So Jeanette, who's the brownies, um, had shared with me one time, she said, I didn't know how to be a wife, right? During that period of time and when things were so down in your marriage, a downtime. Um, but again, I think Rios was, Rio was saying um, he didn't have the tools to be a husband either. You know, like, and I think that's the problem in our society. Everyone has goodwill and they love each other and they're trying so hard. But if we don't know theology, the body, humani, vitae, natural family planning, we don't have the tools we need to, to do what we need to do in marriage and make it work. And I think it's so beautiful because you all could have been a statistic, right? It, things could have just fallen apart and you would have gone on with your lives and tried to put them back together somehow. Um, but again, the grace of God and, and this beautiful gift, the gifts that we have that the church gives us, right? Um, but, but we have to do a much better job of getting the word out, right? <laughs> we have to, everybody should know this stuff, right? We should be learning it as teenagers because we're ready, we're fertile, <laughs> you know? We're not ready to get married, but our bodies are talking to us big time as, as teens. So um, again, thank you so much. And I never heard anybody say what Jeanette said, sex is a prayer. I've heard a lot of beautiful talks surrounding sex and uh, the marital embrace in theology of the body, but nobody just comes right out and says, sex is a prayer. You know, like, wow. So, um, and I think that can help. Like we talked about earlier today that women, some women, um, men seem to be like, they're always ready to go, right? <laughs> when it comes to the marital embrace, you know? Um, but women sometimes don't feel that and they, you know, they're up and down, their hormones or whatever, their emotions. But, um, but we can help ourselves as women, you know, as wives or whatever. I'm not a wife. I, I mean, I am a wife, but you know, Jesus. Okay. So let me um, wrap up. I'm debating whether I should wrap, what I should wrap up with. Um, I have a few things I want to, I have a lot of things I want to say, but we don't have the time. Um, so I think we need to remember that Humanae Vitae is saying yes to something, right? When we say no to something, we're saying yes to something else. Sometimes people, um, okay, I don't, I don't want to end with this. Um, oh, so, so, well, maybe I'll end with this in part. So Adam and Eve, let's go back to Adam and Eve, right? So, I mean, it didn't seem so bad, right? A little piece of fruit, right? Stick this little, God's letting us eat the other fruit. Why can't we eat that fruit, right? Um, and wow, what a disaster that caused, right? So I think, you know, again, it's just a little pill, what could be so bad, right, about this little pill? So, again, I think we have to um, listen to God, you know, listen to the wisdom. And I've never heard um, the book of Tobit from the Bible explained like that. That Okay, so I love the book of Tobit because my profession name is Raphael. So my full name is Sister Helena Raphael. I love the Archangel Raphael um, who come, pops up in that book in the Bible. And I never thought of it. Like, why... Tobias, the son of Tobit, was able to to live through the night <laughs> because maybe the other guys were partly not approaching Sarah properly and, you know, with some lust. And so therefore they were struck down by the evil demon Asmodeus. Okay.
So maybe I can do this real quick because it's a little piece we didn't get to at the end of the PowerPoint on um, on to wrap up how we really see sex as Catholics and how theology of the body is explaining to us the meaning of sex. So sex comes from the heart of God. God invented sex, so he can't be that bad, right? (laughs) Sex comes here. But we've taken sex out of the heart of God, and it's over here. We know it's really good, but we don't know what it is or what to do with it, so we kick it around like a football, and then we look back at God, we see this gaping hole in God, and we say, well, I'm all about this. God has nothing to do with my life, right? Because there's something missing from God. And we wind up not understanding God, love, the body, sex, marriage, ourselves, nothing. So it's kind of like, what if we bought a very expensive sports car, but we didn't know how to drive it? We didn't know how to shift gears. We didn't know what kind of fuel to put in it. We'd be working it real hard, you know, banging it, banging the screw with a hammer, and it's not doing what it really could be doing for us. Then we say, well, this this car isn't so great. Um... Or we just keep using the car and it's not giving us what it could be giving us. So let's not blame the culture, however, for this divided um, sex being pulled out of the heart of God because it's not just non-religious people who, you know, separate sex from the heart of God. Some non-believers will say sex is too good for God. Sex is awesome. God is not. He probably doesn't even exist. It's some, you know, very religious people who say God is too good for sex. God is awesome. Sex is not. Sex is suspect and sinister, but necessary in order to get babies. But, you know, it's that dirty, so I'm splitting myself. It's that dirty, lowly, earthly, animalistic part of me. It's like, no, it's not. It's, it's the human. Every bit is human. Every bit is you. Every bit is good and sacred. So I ask young people, teens, and I say, is the media telling you that your bodies are sacred? Like, no. Like, well, I'm telling you, God is telling you, the Bible is telling you, the church is telling you. And actually, they're saying the same thing. Both of, you know, the expression extremes meet. So both of these are saying the same thing, that sex has nothing to do with God. And if, and if sex doesn't tie us right into the heart of God, then what is it? What the heck is it? So, Satan hates God, he hates love, he hates life, he hates men, he hates women, he hates marriage, he hates the family, and he hates babies, and he hates sex. What? You'd think it's his territory, right? He acts like it's his territory, but he doesn't even have a body. He's not even a body. So how could it possibly be his territory? He wants us to think it's his territory. And the reason Satan hates sex is because he knows what sex really is. He knows the four purposes of sex. So Satan hates God, right? Satan doesn't love God, right? That's why he's not with God. He doesn't want to be with God, right? So can Satan attack God directly? No. Can he attack the image of God? 
Oh, yes. So where do you think he's going to attack the image of God? Why sexuality? And the family, and babies, and marriage, and male-female. Thank you. We, that is where we are most in the image of God. Remember? So he's going to attack right there. So which of these does Satan like? Does he like marriage coming from the heart of God, keeping it together, keeping love and life together? Or does he like sex pulled out of the heart of God over here? He likes this, right? So did you know that God is not the only one who has a plan for your life? Do you want to hear Satan's plan for your life? People get scared. No, I don't. Better we know so we don't fall into it. People get so scared. No, see, Satan likes to tear apart and split things that go together. Man and woman, mother and father, baby and sex, sex and marriage, uh, eggs from women's bodies, sperm from men's bodies. I mean, it just goes on and on. Birth parents from their biological children, etc., etc. Diabolical means split, die, too, right? So Satan has two plans. He has plan A and plan B. See, these are some of the things we've separated from that belong together in our society. And, and Satan loves this stuff. So plan A is be evil. Just be all out evil. Okay, this is Satan's plan A for your life. Most people don't choose this. <laughs> it's like, just be as evil as you can be. Everyone's going to see it. Everyone's going to know you're evil. Here's plan B. It's mediocrity, right? Just um, pray a little. You can pray a little, but not a lot. You can do a little bit of good, but don't get serious about it. You can mix a little evil in with the good. You can compromise the bad kind where we compromise on principles and things that are really important. Cheat a little, steal a little, hold some grudges, break a few commandments, keep up here. Be respectable. By all accounts, be respectable. That's the most important thing. Blend in with the culture, with the, do what the crowd is doing. Go with the flow. Satisfy all your little cravings. Don't inconvenience yourself. Have something going on the side. So plan B is to split us within ourselves, to neutralize us. Satan doesn't need us to be evil. He doesn't need us to worship him. He just needs us to be neutral, to neutralize us. And that's the way of boredom, limitedness, smallness, going halfway, even if we think we're being wild and cool and free. So you've heard that little saying, excuse my French, sorry French people, uh, Satan should say every day when we get up, oh crap, she's up, <laughs> right? Because we're a problem for him. We don't cave into him. We're not, we don't allow Satan to neutralize us. So Pope Francis said, the devil will let you have some fun. He'll take you to the circus, but he'll never give you joy. So Satan is a liar. He starts with lies. Jesus, Satan's creator, said about his own creature, he is a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks his native language. He is a liar and the father of lies. Woo! Imagine your creator saying that about you, right? So remember, it's about the lie. 
And we can, we can change things so fast if we just go back to the lie. What was the lie that we were told that we believed about the body, about sex, or whatever? So Satan uses deception. We buy the lie, start to live it, which causes instant division. And then that makes us sad. We get depressed. And so we have to divert ourselves because it's not delivering on its promises. We have to try other things to forget that we're so miserable and distract ourselves, which can lead to discouragement, depression, and despair. But all we need to do is go back and say, Our Lady, Untire of Knots, pray for us. What was the knot? What was the lie that we bought? So this is God's plan for your life. What Janis Joplin called the super hypermost. Okay. Without the drugs. Okay. So God only has one plan. He wants you to go for ultimate love, ultimate happiness, go for the gusto, don't be neutral. Take that challenge up of maximum love and maximum life. Shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. So we keep everything together in marriage, sex, love, family, sacrament, fruitfulness, mutual support, past, present, future, faithfulness, trust, fun, pleasure, power, tenderness, transcendence, imminence. It's full and rich. So who reports having the best sex? Always. Through the ages. Meaning, that's a terrible thing to say because there's more to sex than just having good sex. But they report being satisfied with their sexual lives. Who reports that? Married couples, number one. But religious married couples don't even have to be Christian. But they have opened their marriage and their lives to God because they know this is where infinity exists. This is where ecstasy, not the drug, exists. (laughs) This is where there's unlimitedness. If we plug into the power of God, God can do anything, right? And they can trust God and each other. So this is the most sacred place on earth. What do we call it right here? The tabernacle. Why is it the most sacred place on earth? Because Jesus, it contains Jesus himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And only the priest consecrates the Eucharist and places it there. This is the second most sacred holy place on earth, a woman's body. Why? What if it's just a regular woman? And any woman's body. Why is any woman's body the second most sacred place on earth? Any woman. I'm not, I'm not the Immaculate Conception. <laughs> Why is any woman's body the second most sacred place on earth? Because she can contain, only she can contain another little image of God. So the only man that should approach her is a man who's going to treat her like Jesus treats the church, who's going to lay down his life for her, and like the priest treats the tabernacle where he places the Eucharist. And that's the only man she should allow to approach her. So this is how beautiful our our story of sex is. This is God's story of sex, right? Like Rio was starting to say, like she's like the Ark of the Covenant. I have to approach her with reverence, right? True. Um, so this is how beautiful and sacred our story of sex is. So you know how they have sex weeks on campuses at Our Lady Seat of Wisdom? Just kidding. <laughs> no, most most 
campuses, and I, I'm not even, I think even some of the Catholic, quote unquote, Catholic campuses have sex week on campus where they, you know, tell you about safe sex and this and that and, and, and worse. You know, there's porn available and condoms and whatnot, okay. Where the sex dens are in the city where you can go have fun. So in Chicago, some friend, guy friends of mine, they had a little, they set up their own table at sex week and they were teaching people about theology of the body. All they did was they say, do you want to hear our story of sex? Do you want to hear about this thing called theology of the body? Okay. So this girl stood there and listened to these boys and then she burst out in tears and she said, that's so beautiful, but it's not true. That's not how things are. And yes, if, if you're going to have drunken anonymous sex every weekend on campus, then yes, it's not true. You've created a culture of drunken anonymous sex. So it's up to us to create this culture of love, life, and beauty. What Paul VI called the civilization of love. Um, John Paul II called it the culture of life. Um, and, and we do it. We have to do it ourselves because, you know, young people have to be able to party, right? To celebrate and have a good time in a good way. So let's not be afraid to tell our story of sex. Um, Simka Fisher, who wrote, I'm going to show you three books on natural family planning and Pimare Vitae. Simka Fisher wrote this fantastic book called The Sinner's Guide to Natural Family Planning. And she is so honest and she talks about the difficulties and the messiness of NFP. And, um, but she also says, start the conversation. Even if you don't know enough about it or you're not practicing it perfectly or whatever, talk to people about it. Talk to people about it. There's also Contraception and Catholicism, What the Church Teaches and Why by Angela Franks. She was in the movie, the sexual revolution movie that we were showing, the trailer. Um, she teaches at a seminary in Boston. And then, of course, the actual document of human life, uh, which is also free online at the Vatican website. So are we, re are we ready to, to share what we know? Yes. Amen? Yeah. Um, God's going to use it. God's going to use it because there's so many other voices, monolithic voices out there that are not good for us and do not bring happiness. So theology of the body brings happiness and peace and joy. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for coming, um, and God bless.